Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. And leaping over the curves, Simon Pagino now on a real tear to try and stay ahead of a chasing Cadillac of Sebastian Bourdais. He did Bourdais at the start of the race. Clearly, Bourdais wasn't going to be particularly happy about that. And ever since, has stayed within half a second of the race leader, Bruce Jones. Yeah, just looking at it, once he'd taken the lead at the restart down into turn one, he pulled away quite quickly. This is uh, Simon Pagino, and I was thinking a pining inadvertently and incorrectly unfortunately that uh, now the pace was uh, back where it was when it was last daylight and even the early hours of darkness which was the with the number 60 entry from Myershank Racing but the Cadillacs have fought back maybe a little bit more cautious once their tyres had cooled down as they were running out there until the, so they were released and the full, when the uh, yellow flag period came to an end but Sebastian is now chasing his uh, fellow French racer Simon Pagano 1.1 seconds between them but the Cadillac very much coming good but what can be the difference between them traffic can be the big difference the gap between first and second was half a second it's out to 1.1 seconds and unfortunately for for Sebastian Bourdais in the 0-1 Cadillac he got the worst of traffic going into the international horseshoe well it'll probably go back the other way shortly but for now Simon Pagano would have seen the Cadillac with its yellow nose getting closer and closer thinking ah I thought I dropped him but now the traffic has been his friend and there are big gaggles of cars GTD one two three four of those in a row with uh, two P3 cars working their way through it just is indicative of these bunches of cars after a restart they can work for you and as you well know they can work against you Colton Herter in in a green in, in a so uh well, we talked about the, the BMW, of course, going behind the wall. So that's now four minutes and counting for the Colton Herter BMW. And it sounded like from Nick that it was going to be a fairly long time in the fact that it's gone back to the home of uh, the BMWs for this weekend, to the garage for more personnel to be flung towards it. I don't think they're going to be giving up with that car just yet, though, because still just under three hours to try and push for a race finish. They'd love to ideally finish in the top six, and they've got about seven laps to play with before the 31 of Jack Aitken has caught up with them. 16 laps down, the wheel and engineering caddy, but getting closer, of course, to the, at the moment, parked BMW number 24. Meanwhile, the other car that, uh, well, Nick suggested it's going better. It's still not great for the 25. They're in 50th position of now a 51-car field, but at least the distance between their, their last problem and now is greater than the system machine. Car 25, driven by Nick Yellily in the second of the M Hybrid V8s, pushing on to lap 566. But the race leader's only two away now from the 700-lap marker as the Acura moves through the gears. Fair bit of clear track ahead. There were, well, some prototypes at a fair distance away, so that was not a distraction heading for the long chicane for Simon Pagino this time around, Bruce. No, he'll enjoy the fact he can put the power down. The traffic definitely worked in his advantage rather than Sebastian Bourdais because the, the last timing interval, they were a whisker under two seconds apart. Remember, a lap and a half ago, they were half a second down. 
now the number 24 BMW we mentioned it had a problem it's still sick but Nick it's in the garage and what can you see is the problem for the car number 24 uh, well they are replacing all the discs and the calipers so and also having a look at the, the whole braking system uh, in its entirety so my guess is from that they've obviously got an issue with the brakes now the only problem is of course that the rear brakes are mostly regen uh, control. They obviously do have some disc, uh, ordinary discs and pads as well, but there's obviously a big regen environment there as well. A lot of the braking is done that way. Uh, but they've obviously, the car is not stopping as it should do, so they are replacing every single braking surface, every single braking pad, replacing all the fluids. And it's a big pumping machine doing that. And it is, that's all they're working on is the brakes. So they're not actually working on anything else. So it could, of course, because of the way the braking has changed now, be linked to the hybridization. Thanks, Thank you, Nick. Nick. Nice and technical down there, but you know you can just see the frustration. But they have that eight. Well, it was eight lap advantage. It was ten lap advantage over Jack Aitken in the 31 wheel in engineering. Oh, what happened a moment ago? Oh, I thought that was contact with an LMP3 runner then. Oh, the class leading LMP3 say, Yeah, car. I thought it probably was the Nico Veroni driven AWA car, and nearly piling into the back of it was Sebastian Bourdais. Very late on the brakes, a bit like. Earl Bamber in the night locking up his front left heading into the left-hander that takes you from the infield back up onto the high banks so Bourdais was certainly fully locked up on the front left I'm not sure whether the front right was equally not rotating but fairly early in the stint for the 0-1 that could cause at a later stage a more severe flat spot and therefore a vibration where are we? 17 laps in for Bourdais. So that is about halfway through. He doesn't want to be doing that more readily. And of course, with a flat spot, every time you brake hard into a corner like that, that tyre will find exactly the same spot and continue to wear away at that specific bit of the Michelin tyre. We've said it before, we'll say it again in races to come. It's these little things that can make all the difference. It could have been a very big thing for Nico Verone, wow. sitting on this enormous lead in LMP3 and very, very nearly got tail-ended by the car. Second overall, the car trying to hunt down the race leader and now being delayed already by that incident down into Turn 1, the gap's gone out from 1.9 seconds to 2.5 seconds and every lap, I would suggest, every time there's heavy braking, it's going to be harder and harder for Sebastian Bourdais to get the job done. So for Cadillac Racing, suddenly their pendulum is starting to swing away from victory. But hey, what am I talking about? We've got just under three hours remaining in this race. But these little things will be absolute sucker for Maya Shank, who've just had this purple patch in racing the last couple of years. And uh, any advantage? You take it with both hands, and certainly every time there's a restart, Simon Pagano has taken it with both hands. That car has been really quick, uh, not straight out of the box as soon as the restart happens. He had to really juke it out down into that first corner. Turn one made it stick against Sebastian Bourdais, but now Sebastian is going to have trouble to make his own car stick. That is to the circuit under heavy braking. Scotty McLaughlin now at the wheel of the number eight Tower Motorsports car on the infield and needing to find a way by the 57 Mercedes from Windward as quickly as possible. He goes to the high side as uh, everyone is instructed to do so in the quicker cars and actually dealt with that very easily indeed. Now, the problem was for Scotty is he's a couple of laps away from the next car in question, Devlin Di Francesco's Orica 07, which is from the Rickware Racing team. And now there's an even bigger problem for the number six Porsche 963 Porsche of Nick Tandy, which is stopped and going again from fourth position. 
So that looked to be a complete reset, but it was at turn one. So he's run pretty deep into that corner. And on the down change, did the car stall or did an electrical glitch creep into the equation? Not seen a car stop there for a little while. And it's on a blind left-hander as well. So clearly Nick did not want to be hanging around for too long. Thankfully, he got going again and heads into the Western uh, Horseshoe. But some time lost. I can tell you exactly how long through that first sector, just as he reaches the end of that sector one split. A split that would normally take you about, uh, well, exactly 23 seconds, and it's taken him 63 seconds, so he's lost 40 in one swipe there, Bruce. Yeah, but if, if the, what, the, the easier number to understand is the fact he got himself from two laps down to one lap down. He managed to move past Simon Pagenaud yeah. just after the restart, worked really hard for the first handful of laps after the restart, very, very positive into turn one, and unfortunately that's all unravelled again. So having regained that with the hope of you know, just being on the tail end of a lap down, He's now gone all the way back to two laps down. Is he still going to be ahead of Louis Delatraz, or has he lost fourth place to the number 10, Konica Minolta entry? We will see. He should have probably lost that as well. So Nick's not had a race full of fortune, it must be said. He's had the spin in the night, damaging that uh, rear under tray, if you will, the diffuser at the back of the number six uh, Porsche. And then, of course, that's a small beer in comparison to what happened when he was gunning for pole and looking for, you know, the glory that goes with it. But, of course, the glory in a 24-hour race is uh, the race itself. But early days in GTP, and, uh, you know, these drivers are going to be pushing out pretty much into the unknown. They still don't know how these cars, despite whatever testing they've done, it will never be enough. And uh, we have a Porsche sitting still the wrong way around. Yeah. Is that the replay, or is that him again? It's a similar place to be stopped. But it's, that it's is, live, that's so it's happened, happened again, again on the very one. next lap. Yeah, but a carbon copy of exactly what happened three and a half miles ago. So clearly the Porsche does not like coming down off the banking. He's overshot completely. So not getting the retardation that perhaps that car has had previously. Is it hybrid related, I wonder, with the hybrid helping out with the slowing of the car down at turn number one? But it stalled the car again. And Bruce and I were thinking that's got to be a replay from a lap ago, but it wasn't. That's two successive laps now where the car's way out wide at turn number one. Had to use much of the runoff. Thankfully, nowhere near the tyre wall, which protect, protects the other part of the track, the rejoining section from the infield. And sensibly, uh, IMSA a few years ago built a huge tyre wall there to prevent any interlopers from turn one into turn seven and yeah having to restart again well this ain't going to be fun and now there are more serious problems that is engine surely right bank spewing smoke from the rear of the number six car it's not tire up it's coming from the innards of the number six Porsche Penske 963 and Nick's surely being told on the radio shut the car off now to prevent any further damage. Look, the way, the way I see that, Johnny, a driver of Nick Tandy's calibre is not going to outbreak himself into turn one with no provocation. To do it once, unlikely, but to do it twice, completely unlikely. Clearly, I think you've hit it on the head, a hybrid issue where the hybrid should have been helping in uh, breaking the car. So uh, double, double wave yellows 
Full course yeah, yellow caution. coming up. So how will that reshape the pack? Let's look at the front of the field. Simon Pagano, the number 60, Acura, leading by f nearly five and a half seconds, slightly more than Sebastian Bourdais, but this plume of smoke that suddenly came out of the is back. That a, is that a turbo that's gone? Well, I'm beginning to wonder. That was sort of where my guess was, but Nick uh, clearly being told, pull away, pull off the side of the track. So his recovery run, having gained back the lap on the restart, was, uh, has come to an end, not once, not twice, but now to an end three times, one feels. Yeah, they come in threes, as they say. Well, there were two very uh, long runs into turn number one where there was just no slowing of the car whatsoever on the biggest braking area of the lap. And now having to stop on the back straight, being told on the radio, inch your way towards the end of the lap, Nick shaking his head inside the cockpit, realising this is, if not terminal, going to prevent the car from competing over the next half an hour or so at least. By no, uh, no doubt we'll have to go behind the wall for Porsche to investigate. At least it has got some sort of limp home mode or just a, a little bit of acceleration permitted for Nick to limp his way back, inch his way home. The smoke's stopped now, but uh, that's because the uh, throttle pedal's nowhere near being fully open as it was a moment or two ago. So not the baptism that uh, the Porsche Penske Motorsport crew would have wanted for either of their cars for a brand new motorsport season at the Rolex 24. But this is the peril of a brand new category Brand new cars that can have been, might, well, have no doubt been tested to breaking point uh, under closed doors conditions, but a very public uh, opening for this campaign. Not going so well at this stage. Nick, uh, you're with the car. What do you reckon the smoke was then? It's oil, I can smell it. Uh, it's engine oil. It smells like engine oil, but it's actually engine oil. Oh, there's a, there's a lot of liquid that shouldn't be there at the bottom of the car. That should get the big crossy hand not working. Um, obviously, yeah, that, that to me is, is a. I think they think it's come out of the, the drive shaft by the looks of it. So they think it's a drive shaft seal's broken. That's what they're waggling at. So it's gearbox oil that's come out. Uh, that will explain a couple of things. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. The drive shafts weren't working. The diff wasn't working properly. That's why you can't stop, regardless of anything else. And obviously, um, that's what catches fire when the uh, when it gets nice and warm. So. That will be going back behind the wall because it's got a, it's got it's got liquid where there shouldn't be liquid, which is never a great thing. It smells as well. I'm surprised it didn't go behind the wall, but clearly the team want to attack this problem um, at close quarters initially, and surely they're not going to send it back out again now, are they, Nick? No, they're just put, they're putting everything back on again because they, they want to wheel it back for it to go behind the wall. You know, yeah. It's much easier to have, the, have the, the rear clip on the car than some, some poor mechanic have to carry it. You would have thought so. Uh, yeah. I, I hadn't thought that one through. Yeah, they get, they get the dolly jacks out, which is, doesn't possible. They get the dolly, that means they don't even want to roll it back, which means probably they are really concerned about the drivetrain. Uh, Nick gets out. And my guess is, we, I think it's unlikely we'll see this one again. With only, what, two and a half hours to go? Yeah. Certainly looking at Nick but, shaking yeah. his head, uh, not Nick Damon, he might have been shaking his as well, but Nick Tandy aboard the car, listening <laughs> on the radio as he pulled to the side of the circuit. But uh, what we have seen, of course, is 
great pace from the GTP cars, but uh, in the early days of a, a, of a new category, you need reliability to go with that. I think they've been really, really impressive on their first outing. Not just uh, the Pen Porsche Penske Motorsport crew, but all of these front runners in GTP. They know they're probably just um, a twinkle of the eye away from something going wrong with these cars that are still very, very short on, on mileage. But uh, for now, if you're a fan of Meyer Shank Racing, they've got it the most right, but only by, well, yellow flag period only 1.1 seconds the good of course that's slightly artificial but uh, what happens on the restarts the 60 car always seems to pull away so Sebald Pagano I guess he's feeling relatively comfortable but he'd rather have a 10 second advantage uh, than the second or so or under a second he'll have when we go back to green flag racing what an effort though from Porsche Penske Motorsport they still of course have the seven car running but that hit the dramas much earlier on in the piece Felipe Nasser now at the wheel of that and competing or uh, working lap 670 under this 10th caution of the race so far but the six car was the far better place and Nick had really charged hard to get one of the two laps back again from the race leader Simon, uh, Simon Pagano and did Pagano on the brakes into the Le Mans chicane without too much of the defence from the Frenchman. But then, of course, the troubles struck and Porsche Penske Motorsport will take their time, I think, rather than damage the car anymore. They will work out exactly what has gone wrong there and whether it is worth continuing in the remaining two hours and 40 minutes. We're less than 30 seconds away from another clock hour being completed. 11 o'clock in the morning here in Florida at the 61st edition of the Rolex 24 live from Daytona. A second stint for Bruce and me comes to a finish, but I'll be paying close attention, but rest assured of that, to the flag in the remaining 2040, which in some places through the year is a standard length of a WeatherTech Sports Car Correct. Championship race, John. Thanks, guys. Uh, you, you did a, a, a sterling job with that five hours and 50 minutes of good. Thanks for that, Palmer. <laughs> that was just getting, getting very good. We're blaming you for that one. However, Joe Taylor is taking the blame for the Nick Tandy. Just tweeting, notice that Nick Tandy's only one lap down now, back in the game, and then bang for the engine. Guys, before I let you go, and thanks very much, particularly for your work on the night shift powered by Sacred Coffee, um, BDO, Nose Strategy Award. I accept there's a couple of hours to go. A standard, uh, standard IMSA race, in fact, two hours 40, as you say, JP. Um, what's caught your eye, Bruce, in terms of, of the Strategy Award in, in this enthralling race where there's been stories throughout the classes and right through the 61-car field? I could be incredibly simplistic on this, John. AWA, they pulled off a masterstroke. They're leading LMP3 by a country mile. But if you put young Nico Varon and uh, the star of P3, Wayne Boyd, in your car, you'll expect it to be there. But it's being slightly, not being so flippant now, I think Cadillac Racing have called it really well because every time it looks as though the number 60, Meyer Shank Racing Acura, is going to get away from them, they seem to work their pit stops very well to be in the hunt. Their cars are very nearly there on the ultimate pace, but I think they've not let their minor deficit of uh, ultimate speed let them get too far back. They've really worked their pit stops well. That's my little guess for the PDO. And, and the one and two, the zero one and the zero two have spent 40 minutes in the pits. That's all uh, throughout this race. The next closest one is the Tandy Porsche, actually, which back in now. Johnny, uh, is it the GTP class that's caught your eye for the BDO No Strategy Award or somebody further down the field? Well, it's a car that 
and a class you would have expected to be further down the field, actually. The GTD leader who has been uh, backwards and forwards with the pro scrappers and still is there. Now, I'm very well aware of that phrase that ends with curse and starts with commentator, so I'll pencil this in <laughs> as a nomination. For Roman De Angelis, Ian James, Marcus Sorensen, Darren Turner, that 27 car, more than punching above its weight, considering its driver makeup second in the GT class as a whole and has regularly led that ahead of, you know, some really established names in GTD Pro. Right, those are noted then from uh, you two. Thanks again for your hard work, fellas. Enjoy the rest of the race as we go to the flag with two hours, 38 minutes and six, five, four, three seconds to go. It's the 61st running of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. And uh, Nick Damon has left us in the pit lane, which means, must mean I think we've got Joe Bradley with us down there, Joe. Yes, you you have indeed. Good morning, everybody. Morning, Bradley. So you're feeling, uh, are feeling refreshed? I'm feeling so refreshed. I'm also uh, uh, quite excited to get towards the checkered flag for this one. It's, um, uh, you know what, I dare I say it at this stage with, you know, couple of hours just under three hours to go um it's a bit of a classic, it is a classic. It's, a cla it's been a bit of a classic in a very old-fashioned way because we've we've had a, we've had to consider attrition um, in a way that we've never really considered attrition before for a very for long, a long time, time. And, and not just i mean in fairness the gtps have run fairly cleanly as i mentioned just 40 minutes for the zero one and zero two cadillacs in the pit lane we've had breakages and engine problems for the more conventional cars that we've seen here for quite a long time. I did a little bit of a calculation early on uh, and I worked out, uh, we've been talking about the top class uh, distance record at 833 laps with no yellow at all in this race and an average lap time of about 138 taking into account that those Cadillacs are probably with uh, a couple of hours left going to do about 45 minutes or so in the pits um, I reckon no more than around about 850 to 854 laps would have been possible in a full green flag race so we would have done well to get close to or beat the 833 I think uh, even the teams, John, are surprised by it, the uh, reliability, relatively speaking, of the GTP cars and also of the lack of yellows because, all right, the GTP cars, I think, because of the power of these cars, they find it easier to get by the slower classes and they can be more patient. They can wait for the straights. They can wait yeah. for punching out of the corners. However, all of the other classes are tripping over one another. They're yep. all producing different lap times in very different ways, but they're all punched together. The GTD cars are tripping over the LMP3 cars, which has got, all they've got is a little bit more aero in the corners, and then the LMP2 cars are trying to weave their way through. And I, I think it's a, uh, you know. Uh, all right. So uh, we've got the number 24 BMW that has come back from behind the wall. And Joe, you've got the uh, usual batch of cars coming into the pit lane. We'll let you get across that as we say good morning again. And it is still good morning to Jeremy Shaw. A, a, a phenomenal race. Whatever happens from here, Jeremy, you and I were just saying as uh, Bruce and Johnny were finishing up there. Whatever happens between now and the end of the race... Uh, this is one that I need to go away, I need to crunch the numbers and have a look at it, but 
that first 14 hours or so of the race for me was absolutely enthralling. Uh, yeah, I think the whole race has been absolutely enthralling. And, uh, I, you know, when, when I arrived here 10 days ago, I was really concerned about uh, the, the reliability of the GTP cars. Um, as the week has gone along and I've spoken to more people and uh, getting more of a feel of, of how these cars really are, I began to get more and more optimistic. And to be honest, the, the race has panned out pretty much as I expected coming into, you know, from yesterday. Uh, but, it, but I think it's been even better than I anticipated, to be honest. And certainly, you know, massively more so than, than it was 10 days ago. I think it's been absolutely tremendous. I mean, really, up until the last hour, uh, we've, we've only two of the GTP cars really have had yeah. any sort of significant problems. Um, uh, uh, you know, there are a couple of incidents out there, including for the 31 car, which costed cost a few laps. But uh, the other cars have really been running absolutely superbly. And it's just, just lately we've had problems with number six car and number 24 that's dropped them back. But it's been a fabulous race. We've got three cars right in the thick of it. The number 10 car, uh, they had a, an issue, I gather, overnight and lost a couple of laps. Yeah. But uh, still running, you know, running pretty well. Not on the on the pace it seems now as the other three, which is interesting because mm. up until two o'clock in the morning, the the two Acuras were, were probably the fastest cars. But we saw Nick Tandy turning turn some super super fast laps about an hour or so ago before he had that problem with uh, whatever it was and, and has taken that car behind the wall. Uh, was he behind the wall? Was he, uh, yeah. he is. Yeah, the car was yeah. pushed behind the wall yeah, on the, the little trolley it's, it's wheels. It's been absolutely fantastic. And, and just looking back down, LMP2 is a great battle still going on, on there. There's four cars on the lead lap, the number 88, number 04. And those two changed positions, by the way, just a couple of laps before this full course caution. So 88 car now leads uh, for the 04, 52 and the number 35. So that's a great battle. LMP3, well, there's only one car that has any problems there, but hats off to that AWA team. Uh, Andrew Rochechko from uh, Canada and his group there done a great job. GTD is fascinating too, as we suggested it would be. Six cars on the lead lap, three, G G three non-pros and three pro cars, uh, and then one lap down, there's another four cars, one of which, oddly, did elect to pit during this caution period the other three did not the car that did pit was the mclaren and therefore i assume has lost its opportunity to get to get that lap back the other three cars that were one lap down which is a number 12 number 63 and number 93 that's a, a lexus a lamborghini and an acura they did not stop and i assume are going to get the wave around and should be back on the lead lap in GTD. GTP, Delatraz was told to stay out, so he has got a lap back. He's now only one lap back in the Cunningham Minolta car. Did he? I thought he came in. Uh, Maybe he didn't. He was certainly told to stay yeah, out. You're right, a big yeah. one. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. So he's back He's back to just one lap down, so they're not out of it either. Nope. Just a point on those, uh, the, those Cadillacs you mentioned, Jeremy. That was an, an Acura, obviously, we were talking about, but... Um, Talking about those Cadillacs, uh, zero one and zero two in second and third. Forty-two minutes and forty-one minutes in the pit lane. Um, they are looking to be somewhere around 45, 46 minutes in the pits. That that is pretty darn good any year for a twenty-four hour race and the amount of pit stops that they have done. The the big difference is, is when you look down. There's not a huge difference. The lead car has been in the pit for fifty-three and a half minutes already. Uh, Fifty minutes for the Conning and Minolta accurate. Um, the big difference is the two cars that, that have had the problem. I mean, even Nick Tandy's only been in the pits 41.57. Yeah. Um, well, an yeah. hour and four 
for the Wheeling car and an hour and 12 for the for the other the other Acura but that that tells me that those those Cadillacs they've they're working to a plan and they've stayed with that plan they their pit stop count um, is uh, you know around yeah. uh, what six or seven stops fewer than the now, Acura in the lead oh right okay well Fine. That, that's what I was going to address there because I think you raised an excellent point. Uh, the, the pit stops now a little bit longer, a scheduled pit stops than they were last right. year. That's mandated uh, up to up to 40 seconds to fill up rather than 30 as it was. But the cars are going quite a bit longer. They're doing uh, 50 minutes or f as much as 51, 52 minutes on a stint before coming in. So they're making a lot less pit stops than they were last year or, or, or have the capability to make a lot less yes. pot, pit stops than last year. And the reason I say that is the, the least number of pit stops is by the, the Nick Tandy Porsche and Jack Aitken in the number 31 Renal Engineering Cadillac. They've only done 26 pit stops. Uh, the, the two Cadillacs have done 28. The Michael Shank car has done 35. Yes. Seven more pit stops. Uh, and that is because they've had this 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 issue with the with the with the uh, with the engine oil that they need to kind of purge it on a fairly regular basis we saw them doing it exactly halfway through the race they also did it again uh, about well, an hour or so ago um, and that's uh, and they've had several other sort of kind of precautionary stops where they really didn't need to but did just to to kind of keep themselves uh, on a uh, I think on, you know to be conservative rather than pushing any envelopes yeah uh, so it's made a lot more pit stops but it's still right there in the lead of the race and that's, that's really that's interesting but that's that car, a lot less indeed and it's a lot less pit stops than last year yeah. it's probably they're probably at the end of the race be doing 10 fewer stops oh, so really? when that you, many? yeah 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 and, and even yeah. if at just three minutes a time even my basic arithmetics that's 30 minutes fewer in the there pit lane yeah really good I, I, <laughs> it's when you look at some, and all of this information, by the way, is on the Alchemel screens, livetiming.alchemelsystems.com forward slash IMSA, if you want to see this. And uh, having the ability to, to scroll through that and have a look at the, uh, the different parts of the timing screen, you'll find all sorts of things there that you didn't know existed. And uh, I've got to tell you now, there's a hmm. lot of information. I've got plenty of time over the next few days to, to go through this before Midweek Motorsport on Wednesday. I do have an entry list for another uh, race to work on for next weekend as well. Two hours and just under 30 minutes to go. 2.28 to go, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, so um, just less than a, than a regular race distance. Yeah. So we're normally 2 hours and 40. So I'm just trying to figure out here. I thought I saw the number 70 car did pit during the caution along with the other GTD cars but but now it's back on the lead lap so I'm not quite sure how they managed uh, it's just coming in now well it's in yes, the pit lane now for Frederick Shaw but it's the back McLaren on the lead lap and I, I, I can't quite figure out how it's managed to get back on the lead lap uh, it maybe didn't take because stop, the, then it the, the other three did I don't know that's, that's thrown me no idea bizarre honestly 70 McLaren just in the pit says Joe Bradley he yes. thought he saw it doing the wave by Right, okay. Well, I thought it had come in. Which with, would have with made sense, in fairness. Sure. You said they've but missed I, their opportunity. I thought, didn't I thought you? it came in. It, that I'm absolutely convinced that the scoring system showed that it was coming in the pits with, with the other leaders that were. And that's why I expressed surprise. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You said. Yeah. So, so maybe that was either a glitch or maybe I, maybe I just misread it. Could be. I, uh, I have to say that most of the teams have got most of the calls right, which is going to make our BDO nose strategy 
award. Uh, pretty difficult. I'm just going to run quickly through the official retirements. Uh, there hasn't been that many changes. Uh, it is the... If we start at the... Uh, cars at the bottom of the timing screen. Chetelar Ferrari uh, only did 44 laps. 89 laps for the Ranch 74 Riley. And there was a, a long gap, 233, to the Mercedes of Sun Energy 1. Then the Origa, number 11, TDS. Then the 92, Calimos Racing Porsche. Ferrari of the guys from Risi. 42, Lamborghini. And the 36, Ligier in LMP3. And that, those are your full retirements as we go back to green. Cadillac ARX 06, Simon Pagino. Now, if he gets a sniff of being able to get away, this could be curtains for the rest of the field. And S Sebastian Bordier clearly knows that. Also in there is the number seven Porsche, Felipe Nazar. He's not backwards in coming forwards, but he's many laps down now. That car, 6.75 to the 7.10 of the leaders, but looking good on the restarts, as the Porsche has done, in fairness, the 9.63. Here comes the Cadillac round the outside of turn six. Bordet moves across. Paginot follows him. Now up under the high banks. Now what we've seen is this 60 car making space out of the slower corners. Does it again. Pulling away. Wow. That, that's impressive again. Taking a good couple of cars then. Now, partway down the straight, the Cadillac comes back. So does the lapped Porsche. Cadillac almost back on terms as they go into the chicane. Out of Le Mans. It was on terms in the middle, but then again, the elastic stretches again as Paginot gets on the power a little bit earlier. And there's no doubt in my mind that the big advantage with that Acura ARX 06 is punching out of the corners and the slower the corner it seems the better turn six they have really got that nailed cross the line then after the restart it's four tenths of a second Pagino for Acura and for MSR 0-1 Cadillac racing car the VLMDH Sebastian Bordier then El Bomber his teammate is in third but a lap down so there, is, no, there he goes no, no. now, excuse me. He was just further down the queue than I was expecting, excuse me. Top three cars still on the lead lap. Philippe Albuquerque now, having taken over the car, the number 10 Conington Minolta car. They have, uh, they took the way by, they are back to just one lap down. Then it's a 10 lap gap to Nick Tandy who is still in the pits with this number six Porsche after that what looked like Terminal Angel problem. We'll get a word, I'm sure. 31 is in sixth position for Wheel and Engineering, Jack Aiken, another three laps back. And then there's gaps through the field from then on. GTD battle 
Aston Martin number 27 with company. Got the Lexus GTD Pro car right up his tailpipes there. DeAngelis versus Barnicut. Which has just been overtaken. Uh, ben Barnicut just got past Mauro Engel in that uh, WeatherTech Mercedes car number 79. Uh, the Mercedes, we know, has been oh, super strong back. all the time. Yeah, he is coming back. Coming down he? to seven. That's the battle for the lead in GTD Pro, second GTD car. Mm. And this is allowing Roman De Angelis just to pull away a little bit from these two. The Corvette lurking there as well with Tommy Milner taking his time. The Porsche keys to the race. Remember, we talked about getting into the last couple of hours of the race. We're knocking on the door from that as well and it will be pro drivers to the end here so all of those GTD cars have very similar performance parameters Michelin Endurance Cup of course we threw some points out for that about four hours ago we'll go through that in a moment after we've heard from Joe Bradley who's got the McLaren in again yeah Jeremy mentioned the confusion with the 70 McLaren He's pulled into the pits, and it looks to me as though he's pulling straight back out. I know, no, now he peels off. He's way down towards pit out. Has he taken a penalty there, John? You might be able to see that. Uh, yeah, yes, he has, Joe. He's past his box, yeah. He's going to pull into the penalty box, run the red light at the pit exit, stop plus 60. Good deduction, Mr. Bradley. How did you not make detective? I, I had no clue about that. I did. <laughs> he says very okay quietly. good that, that explains then why yeah. I, so I wasn't I was I was I wasn't wrong okay yeah. good I wondered how it managed to do that uh, so that's a shame for that team that's the car that won last year's Michelin Endurance Cup uh, and uh, was super placed coming into the joint to look through the yeah that'd be points good. That unofficially after the uh, 18, 18 hour mark, mark in in GTP the, the Meyer Shank race with Kerbag Jane it's number 60 car they were ahead at the 12 and 18 hour mark. So they've got 13 points to the 10 apiece for both number 10 and the number 31. Uh, the number 10 car is currently one lap down. Number 31 car is uh, quite a long way. It's 14 laps down, but still not, not looking good for them. So it's looking really good for Meyer Shank Racing and at there, the and, moment. And there are more points at the end of the race, of there course. There are more points at the yeah. end of the race, but they, they can't now be overtaken. Right. Um, so they were lead here, leading the Michelin and Jones. Yeah, at, at, at worst, joint leading it. Right. Uh, and most likely leading it. In right. LMP2, uh, having been out in front at the 18 hour mark, TDS Racing Car number 35 now has 11 points to the 9 points of the TDS number 11, which is out. Uh, the PR1 Matheson Motorsports number 52, which is currently third. And the number 55 Proton competition car which is currently in the fifth position so uh, game still on there very much in LMP2 in LMP3 uh, Sean Creech Motorsports uh, has 14 points after the 18 hour mark they, they're out front at halfway and at 18 hours they got 14 to the 10 for the AWA num num car number 17 that's the car that leads at the moment and is running away with it but uh, even if they go on to win the race, uh, Sean Creech Motorsport will have more points at the end of this event and will lead the, the points table in LMP3. In GTD Pro, uh, a one-point advantage at the moment in favour of number 79 Mercedes over the Harter Racing Team Aston Martin, car number 23. That's a car, though, that has had some problems, has, has dropped. Uh, way back so uh, that bodes well for the WeatherTech Racing Car number 79 13 points to 12 they lead 
uh, and should be able to maintain that advantage to the end of the race. In manufacturers, it's 13 for Mercedes and 12 to Aston Martin. Finally, in GTD, the, heart, the other Harter Racing Team car, car number 27, they were out front at the 6-hour mark and the 18-hour mark will have 13 points to the 11 of the Courthoff Motorsports Mercedes, kind of a 32. That's also had some problems. So uh, the uh, Aston team looking good there. The manufacturers in GTD are currently tied, Aston Martin and Mercedes, on 13 points each. Great scrap going on at the head of GTD Pro, Ben Parnicut, uh, with Tommy Milner, and then uh, uh, Ben Parnicut in the second, rather. So we do that again, sorry. Ben Carney, Barnicut leads from Mauro Engel and then Tommy Milner. Right, let's kick my brain back into gear here. Top three are absolutely together after that start. Quick um, note from a number of people. Overnight, and Joe, you saw this happen, I think. The Whelan Cadillac had broken gearbox mounting studs and therefore a new gearbox was offered to the car with a full module of rear suspension. A couple of people saying very reminiscent of the old Audi R8 having the, the rear end replaced as a sort of a routine service. And that was outlawed in ACO racing uh, at that time. Now, do we know if the GTP cars are going to be allowed to do that when they race in the WEC? Will they be allowed to replace that full gearbox and rear end? Or will they have to find another way around it and just replace the gearbox internals i suspect you don't well, know the answer to that but it's an interesting question well I, I think i know some people who might be able to answer that um we've got people here from the cadillac WEC program our good mate simon herring is one of the cadillac team members and while i'm on about simon herring being here a big shout out to his wife jane who's watching and listening and has been all night back home in in france and his mum Anne, who's there listening in Peyton. i'll go and ask that question but um the WEC rules you have to finish the race with the gearbox casing that you start with. Well, that's how it used to be. I don't know, that, and that's the yeah, question. We need to find out if that has been changed. Well, the, for those uh, of you that, that don't know what we're talking about. Well, the Cadillac is certainly a different design to the Audi R8 because we just basically, with the Audi R8, it was everything back from the back of the, the engine where Correct. the clutch is, everything just was sort of unbolted and stepped away, including the undertray, including all the bodywork, including everything whereas the cadillac that had to you know they had to detach the gearbox and it took a long long time to do that um if it was a gearbox stood unless it's broken the casing around the stud which i wasn't sure when i left last night um it, simply john i'll go and ask okay for those that don't know what we're talking about audi in the early 2000s programmed in maintenance to change the gearbox on their Le Mans prototype cars at the 24 hours of Le Mans, much the same as you would change your brake discs and pads, pads and rotors. And therefore, they devised a quick change system that had dry brake uh, fluid lines and uh, the minimum amount of fixings. And it was something ridiculous, like less than eight minutes from pit in to pit out to do the the full replacement what they did was change the whole rear end with the suspension obviously with the settings the same and as joe said with all the accoutrement around it now that was outlawed back in the mid to to the 2000s and the law came in the regulation came in that you had to finish 
with the uh, with various parts of the car intact you could change the internals of the gearbox but the gearbox casing and there was various other things can't swap an engine for example now this is the monrails we were talking about at that point so that's what we're going to try and cl clarify here. Are you talking? Is that what you're talking about now, Le Mans rules or IMSA rules? Well, that's that's what we're going to try and find out if there is a difference between the two. Uh, I, I think I think there is. I think in IMSA, if you can finish the race, you finish the race. So the question that was posed was: Will the Cadillac that runs in WEC be able to do that rear end change and full gearbox oh. change as as happened here? Got it. And, and that's the question we're trying to find the Got it. the answer to and uh, just sort of filling in a, a bit of the the history as to why that was outlawed in the ACO regulations. The, there's always been a high, very high price uh, put on, a well, very high store put on uh, finishing the race without outside assistance yes. at Le Mans. Uh, well, it, yes. it, it, is, it is, I think now... Um, if it isn't the last one, it must be close to the last one where you've got to be running at the end of an endurance race. And there's a certain amount of time that you've got to do the last lap. If you get any outside assistance to get you back to the pits, that's instant disqualification. If the driver gets out and goes more than five metres away, that's classed as abandon, abandonné. Driver's left the car, that's it. Yeah. And that's why Le Mans is a bit different. And that's why... You know, people do get the cars put back together and roll them out. You've also got to complete a certain amount of distance of your race and class leader to be classified. So you can finish the race and then end up not being classified on the results, even if you do get an ailing car to a chequered flag. And plus, it's, I think it's 18 hours. Anybody who hasn't completed 70% of the race leader at that point is politely asked to park the car and start packing up. It's a... It's a tough old game at Le Mans, yeah. and that does make it a little bit different. So that's what yeah. we're going to try and find out for you. Two and a quarter hours to go in what has been a quality 61st running of the Rolex 24 Daytona, and still Simon Paginot leads by a second and a half from Sebastian Bourdais and Earl Bamba. Just uh, another six seconds, five and a half seconds further back. Yeah, it lost a bit of time last mm. few laps as uh, Earl Bamber in that third position car. Meanwhile, in LMP2, again, a fabulous battle going on. The top four cars covered by two and a half seconds. The number 88 car, young Frenchman uh, Matthew Vazivier just had his car's best lap of the race, a 40, 1 minute 40.104, uh, and his next lap was a 1 minute 40.2, so only a tenth of a second off. That's pretty stout running. Um, Esteban Gutierrez uh, chases yep. him. Uh, in the number zero 04 car. It's the 88 car is uh, leading the way uh, at, at the moment and, and looking really quite good there. That's the uh, the uh, AF Corsa entry, excuse me. And then the, the crowd strike by APR Racing, mm -hmm. Algarve Pro Racing, is in second place. So PR1 Matheson Motorsports car is lurking right there in third yeah. position. Another young Frenchman, Paul-Luc Chatin, in that third place. And, and Job Van Oetert, in the number 35 car for TDS Racing in fourth again, right there. I really hope we don't lose LMP2. There's no plans oh. for a replacement at the moment, and there's no reason why these cars' homologation eligibility can't be extended into the future. Um, it's an important stepping stone and an important standalone class, ironically, particularly 
for Le Mans, where there are plenty of non-pro drivers who have come up through GTs. They don't want to drive any GT3 cars anymore. They want to drive a prototype, and they're probably not going to be have the finances to do a GTP, so LMP2 is, is the right place for them. Let's just go back very quickly to that difference in rules. Joe Taylor says, I remember Dr. Ulrich, uh, Wolfgang Ulrich, who was the head of Audi Sport, getting very annoyed at Sebring in 2004 when they had to change a drive shaft, on the, a drive shaft seal on the Audi. Um, and because of the difference in rules, the IMSA rules, they had to disassemble the whole rear end. And he said, this car wasn't designed to have it changed like that. We were just meant to change the rear end. Bradders, what's the situation? That, that rule, as far as I'm aware, is still in, in effect in the WEC about certain components needing to be on the car at the end of the race. Yeah, that's correct. Um, it's completely different rules regarding this. Um, so in WEC and at Le Mans, um, we're going to see uh, that you basically have got to finish the race with the same gearbox casing. So what that means is if, if you have a gearbox issue, you have to take the gearbox off and dismantle it and dismantle the internals to fix the issue. And you put, you've got to put the original one back on. What happened last night with the 31 wheel and Cadillac was that they, the mounting studs where the gearbox mounts the engine, that's what snapped. So it confused me. My initial assessment was correct, where if the gearbox, having had the stud break, there's then a chance of the where the gearbox uh, bolts to the engine that could have uh, damaged itself off, you know, mm. been flexing and stuff. In this case, it wasn't needed. So that spare gearbox that was wielded on a trolley wasn't actually used, and the original ah. gearbox has gone back on. So if we were at Le Mans, they'd be fine. Yeah. However, this being NIMSA, if they'd had to use the uh, the new gearbox, that's allowed. That's within the rules. Michael Jisham, thank you, Michael, has sent me. The, uh, the regulation, I've been trying to find it. It's 22.2.1 car composition for IMSA. The car must consist of the homologated body shell chassis uh, monocoque unit and the homologated engine block or crankshaft case. During the race, it is prohibited to change the engine block, crank, crank, uh, bracket, crankshaft case, the chassis or monocoque structure. There you are. Um, so you cannot change the engine or the chassis during the race so there we are we have the answer it is different and so although we didn't get the rear end changed on that Cadillac uh, it wouldn't be allowed now in fairness as Joe Bradley knows very well once Audi got banned from doing that they redesigned the gearbox so that there was about two fastenings on the back of the uh, the differential in the gearbox and they could slide the gearbox internals out on a, what's called a cassette which they could do in about 30 seconds then they could put a new one in um, which i think was probably even quicker than taking the rear end off uh, to be honest that the whole the whole shebang doing the rear end was extraordinary literally fewer than eight minutes from pit in to pit out the actual thing itself when it was in the garage was something like six six and a half minutes it's quite quite extraordinary not allowed anymore that in uh, in WEC although it would be here as we know now in IMSA coming down to uh, two hours and eight minutes to go Shea Adam has rejoined us in the pit lane good morning Shea hello hello figured that's what you were going for um which end would you like me on John I know that Joe Bradley is out here as well pit in or pit out Joe, where are you? I've got your mic off. 
I've yeah. lost you. Uh, I'm, at, I'm at pit in, in All right. GTP land. All righty. I will go to pit out. Thank you, Shit. Expecting some uh, interviews as we come through. We've leaned the feel out a little bit, but not by any stretch of the imagination, perhaps as much as some people thought. The Nick Tandy car, the number six Porsche, is dropping gently down the timing and scoring at the moment. I, I doubt we'll see that car back. I'm, I may be wrong. It may not have been as terminal as engine problem if it was just a if it was a turbo oil seal or something like that and that's where the the uh, white smoke was coming for from um then maybe they'll swap the turbo unit and got it back out jeremy yeah uh, and uh, over the last course last four or five laps that has been overhauled in terms of laps completed by first of all number 31 car of uh, uh, Jack Aitken currently driving the wheel and engineering cattling at the moment, so up into fifth position and up into sixth now. Uh, a couple, uh, what, four laps ago now, it was, is the BMW M Hybrid V8, car number 24, currently driven by Colton Herter. That car's running uh, nicely uh, as, as well. It's uh, 17 laps off the pace. They had uh, some problems earlier this morning, but uh, it's running okay now. Uh, in LP2, Vazivier has just gone faster again, 39. 0.894, so a series of really quick laps there from the Frenchman, and he's managed to extend his lead over Esteban de Gutierrez to 1.8 seconds. Actually, Chatin has just moved up into second position, just ahead of Gutierrez. So it's number 52, PR1 Matheson car up into second place, still 1.7 seconds behind the leader, then Gutierrez, and then Jobber Neutert in the number 35 TDS car. So again, really, really tight battle in LMP2. In GTD Pro, a couple of laps ago, the number 14 car, driven by Ben Barnicott, managed to sneak past Mauro Engel in the Mercedes. So it's now the Lexus that leads in GTD Pro. He's about six seconds there behind the Aston Martin of Roman De Angelis, who's leading the, the uh, non-pro category and ahead of all the pros as well. Really good effort here by Roman in that harder racing Aston Martin car number 27. It's about six and a half seconds clear of Barnicott in the Lexus, then Engel in the Mercedes. Tommy Milner right there as well, despite the fact he was bleating yesterday, didn't have a competitive car. <laughs> uh, he has got a competitive car, and it's been there all the way through the race. He didn't have a particularly good first stint because he, he, he had traffic, he said, all the way through it, and he just didn't really enjoy it. But I think he's probably enjoying things a little bit more now. And it is Tommy Milner who drives that the number three Corvette in third place in GTD Pro. Also right behind him are the two non-pro entries, number 57, Winwood Racing Mercedes, second in, in regular GTD, and Nicky Tim in the Magnus Racing Aston Martin, car number 44, he's hanging right there as well. Uh, Porsche have just been through the media centre on the other side of the track from us here on floor five and they are claiming gearbox issues for that Nick Tandy car. So maybe that was gearbox oil that was being thrown out the back. A uh, couple, couple of cars have struggled with gearbox oil seals, all using the same box, of course, I am sure. We will hear in the next couple of weeks on the uh, debrief, all the uh, manufacturers of the spec parts will be going through it's a learning experience for them as well Marcos Sorensen has just got out of his GT Daytona Charger and no, no. Joe Bradley's caught up with him not quite Marcos just kind of waking up and oh, I thought sorry. 
I thought I'd help with the uh, the waking up process, Marcus. Mark, uh, we, we, we've just uh, been discussing how much we hate these long nights. Yeah, it's been a it's been a very long long night. Um, we did quite some stints, me, Roman, and Darren uh, throughout the night. So it's not much sleep, but you know, the stuff that's on the line is worth uh, is worth staying up for. So. We're in the we're in the game right now. The car has been basically fantastic throughout the throughout the race. We had a small issue where I had to do a power cycle out on the on the track, which I have to say that uh, scared the living shit out of me. Uh, but but now we're back in the game, and I hope it stays stays green. But it's America, so it's most likely not going to stay green. So it's going to be a long fight. Thank you, Mark. I'll leave you to wake up. I'm sorry for the. Uh for the expletive there, everybody. Thank you, Joe. Joe he has Bradley. just woke up in fairness. Joe Bradley down in the pit lane. Uh, down in the pit lane. Yeah, and sleepy Marcus Sorensen. Yeah, Marcus Sorensen. He has set the fastest lap in that car, which I think is the fastest lap in GTD. Yes, he has a 146.078. The fastest uh, overall lap in GTD is a pro entry. Omaro Engel, number 79, WeatherTech Mercedes. He's turned at 145.541. The, uh, the lap record, by the way, in GTD, 144 back in the day. Uh, back in 2019, Marcus Gomez has the, the lap record in GTD in a Ferrari, 144.541. That's interesting because we saw some really quick lap times. That the GTD cars, I think, have been increased in pace a little bit this year but uh, still it's been a fabulous race and there's there's going to be a real shootout amongst those top what how is it now it's uh, 18, 20, 10 cars uh, including both the pros and non-pros there's six non-pros uh, and four pro entries that are still on the lead lap in GTD in total fabulous stuff Simon Pagano is still not able to extend his lead much. It's only 1.6 seconds over Sebastian Bourdais in the 0-1 Cadillac Racing entry. His teammate Earl Bamba, though, he's just slipped back. Yeah, just slipping back by the odd tenth here and there. 6.8 seconds behind his teammate in third place. Uh, so, a question from Alex Salmon. Uh, probably not that one. Um, Accuracy seems to be pretty slippery on the straights in terms of error. The team's locked in in the same way the homologation of the hypercars are in WEC as their development room on the bodywork. Uh, these cars were homologated in October and November uh, here in the US. And that's now locked in for, I, I think it's three years. And I, I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty certain it's three years. Um, the cars, when they go to compete the WEC, have to go through a WEC BOP test with the homologation that they bring with them. They'll go to the Hinville wind tunnel, the Audi Sauber wind tunnel, and uh, then they will be balanced against the cars in the WEC. Similarly, if any... WEC prototypes come across here, WEC regulation prototypes, the hypercars come into IMSA competition, it would have to 
go through the wind shear wind tunnel to get a baseline specification and all the data. There are four cornerstones of performance engine, fuel consumption, aero, and uh, the hybrid of power. And uh, that all has to be run through by the series that it's going to play in. And, and that, that in, in fact, that's the same that, that is, has already happened. So if a hypercar came over here, it would just go through the same process that all of these GTPs have already gone through to get their homologation. And similarly, any of the manufacturers with GTP LMDH cars would go through the same process with the WEC as the Ferrari, the Peugeot, and the uh, Toyota GRO10 have already gone through uh, to get their WEC uh, homologation. Hope I'm making sense with that. It's a long way into the race. Shit, Adam's out in the pit lane. It is a long way into the race, John, and we are seeing the effects of that on race cars. If you think that this race is over, far from it. The number 19 Iron Lynx Lamborghini just came down the pit lane because, well, the driver reported, I have no power steering. They have four canisters of CHF202, which is power steering fluid, ready to pour in. Unfortunately, in order to get to that entry point, they have to move the brake fluid canister, which is now leaking all over, not the engine bay, but the front area of of the car that we've determined it's still a bonnet or a hood that they have to pull off but they are going to make a mess of this area a lot of white towels out and prepared for iron links and if you think that other cars are okay too well we haven't seen a lot of brake changes yet for a lot of the gt3 competitors and the ferrari of triarci has just put one new brake disc up on the wall clearly they're feeling a bit of brake fade yeah not great to get this far through and then have to do it but if you've got to do it, you have got to do it. Thank you, Cher. And uh, really great battles out on the circuit. And we've just gone through another race hour, so let's quickly run through our official coolant of IMSA. Stay frosty in race update. So with just two hours to go, Simon Paginot leads by three point three seconds in the number 60 Acura which does seem to have had the measure of this race despite perhaps a couple of problems and it's held at bay for the moment the two Cadillac racing cars these are the VLMDH of Sebastian Bordet and El Bamba behind the wheel 0-1 from 0-2 they are three and eight seconds behind the leader respectively and that's your three cars in GTP on the lead lap. Earl Bamba, uh, some five seconds behind his teammate. Philip Albuquerque now driving the uh, second of the Acuras. That's the Coddington Minolta number 10 car. And that car is ahead of Jack Aiken by 13 laps. Some big gaps opening up here. As we've just had the TGM Aston Martin off. And Just, he's got a problem, I think. Oh, uh, right, there. left rear puncture. Yeah. Left rear puncture. This is turn six coming back onto the high banks. Uh, and it's Matt Plum driving that car, showing the scars of battle. Remember, it's not rained here, but the cars are absolutely filthy with all of the uh, fluid and mist and gearbox oil and 
engine oil and everything that the GTPs have been throwing out. Um, not a pure full course yellow. Let me quickly finish this run down then. In LMP2, it's Mathieu Vaxvier, the number 88 AF Corsa that leads. We're going into the, another safety car uh, situation. Duquesne, Nico Varon, and the number 17 LMP3 car from AWA leads their class by a margin. And in GTD, still those battles going on between the GTD and GTD Pro cars. Uh, by my reckoning, I think everybody who's at the sharp end of the field have got through their AM drivers, the four and a half hours. So it is a battle to the finish that's headed at the moment by a standard GTD car. That's the Vantage GT, Roman De Angelis in the Aston, number 27 of Heart of Racing, from the best of the GTD Pro cars, the Lexus RCF GT3, Ben Barnicott in the 14. One hour, 54 minutes to go. The leaders completed 729 laps. We're back under the control of the safety car. And that is your in-race update with the official coolant of IMSA. Stay frosty from VP Racing Fuels. And for details about all VP Racing Fuel products for your car, for your small engines, and to make sure that everything goes as well as it should, go to the website at VP Racing Fuels. One more to go of our in-race updates. And that will be in just under an hour's time.